regular offerings to be given in the right time. But not today. In the meantime, we need your giving. We need your support to uh, provide for the different ministries that our congregation is involved in. Today, uh, there will be no scene at the guest house. They have some more COVID cases over at the guest house. And they've asked us not to come to do our scene today. So we're putting that on the, on the back one for another month. I'm going to remind you for those who didn't know. Wednesday night is our Bible study. I've been working our way uh, through the book of John, the seven signs in the book of John that prepares us for, for Easter. And then next Sunday morning, uh, first of all, I've got to tell you some bad news. Y'all going to lose an hour next week, whether you like it or not. You going to miss that hour again? Ken's going to miss the hour. Anybody else going to miss that hour? Yeah. I told you a little bit bad news, but on the good side of it, we'll be starting our service, and we'll be here at 9 o'clock on the new time next week. Isn't that exciting? 10 o'clock, I guess it is, isn't it? 10 o'clock the next next week at the regular time. And we have a, a special week. We, we're trying to, to uh, uh, build up to Easter. Easter is March the 31st. Y'all are aware of that, aren't you? Now, you know what happens on Easter? Anybody? Nobody knows what happens on Easter? That's the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Anybody know that? I, I just want to know if you were putting two and two together and coming up with five. Right, five. And uh, on Easter, it's the day we celebrate. On this Easter, uh, I hope that you will celebrate with us by being here. And I'm speaking to the the choir this morning, but on Easter is a good chance, a great chance to share the greatest message you ever heard, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm going to ask you, hey, it's going to be a special day, we're going to have a baptismal service in that service, but we are also uh, going to uh, be celebrating communion, and we want you to invite your friends and your family to come with you. Tell them, you know, hey, you don't go with me on Christmas, you don't go with me any other. Hey, come to Easter, okay? Invite them to come to Easter and tell them we've got a special day uh, planned as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's Easter, and you got four weeks to get ready for it, okay? So uh, we're, we're, we're working our way towards that. Our series of sermons are, are uh, going to be talking about characters of the Easter story uh, through the month of uh, March. Next Sunday, how many of you knew that, that March was the month that we celebrate women's history? Anybody know that? You didn't see that on TV? Y'all don't watch TV, do you? Next Sunday is a day that has been uh, set aside in the Church of God is celebrating women's ministry. Next Sunday, uh, Lynn is going to share with us. I know that's a disappointment, y'all. Are you going to hear me next week? <laughs> well, Lynn's going to be sharing in one of the character sketches that were prepared for Easter. And I hope that you'll come and uh, we'll have a great day. It's March 15th and 16th. Yes. Yes. You okay? 
And then some of y'all have birthdays or getting a little bit older this year. Now, who would that be to have March birthdays? So let's take a review. <laughs> There's Rachel Hathaway. You know, another year, Tuesday's her birthday. Bill Chandler. Bob Eads, he's going to be 104, I think, this next month, isn't he? He waited. That's how old he is. <laughs> 87. 87. Boy, he's young. Spring chicken. Then Melissa Hathaway will be celebrating on 18. <laughs> then we got another one who's, that's only going to be 39. Mary Crane is turning 39 this, this month, March. And Eric Chandler. I thought I saw Eric come in. Did we see Eric come in? Uh, anyhow, Eric's got a birthday on the 25th. Destiny Coates. Is that right? Okay. Uh, on the 31st, Donald Ward. Thank <laughs> you. 
prayer this morning. I want you to look at our list. Carolyn, Linda, and Ellen Welch. They're on a cruise, by the way. They're not sick, but they're on a cruise. I told them we'd be praying real hard for them before we do that. <laughs> then there's Barbara Powell. Take me off. Take her off. She fell down doing a movie the other day. I don't know what that says. Grant, what does that say? She's about as athletic as a rock.
hungering after you, desiring you this morning. We're so much thankful for your goodness to us. Your goodness that endures forever. Through the bad times and the good times, we know that you are still good all the time. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for, Lord, your presence in our lives. Thank you, most of all, for salvation that you've given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Peace that passes all understanding. The joy that is so unspeakable. The love that, Lord, supersedes all kinds, all of the love for eternity. Lord, you see the needs as we lift them up in prayer this morning, and we've given some, quite a few names this morning to those that need your touch this morning, those that are sick, those that are afflicted, those that are bedfast this morning, those that need your touch, your healing touch in their bodies this morning, those that may be traveling, those that are away from us for various reasons. Lord, visit them. As you've instructed us to pray one for another. And Lord, that hurting heart that may be here this morning, that has burdens and needs, Father, that perhaps they never shared with anyone before, but you know it. And so, Lord, we ask that you would intervene. To be their friend, not only their friend, but be their God this morning that supplies all their needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, I pray for this congregation that is gathered in this room. That we would indeed would meet you in this hour. That you would hear our worship and hear our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. There is an old song, 1914. Somebody said they never heard this song before. And I said, I guess they were not old enough. It was written in 1914, and it's an old song called Come and Die. Now, this ought to get your, your energy going just a little bit, because this is an invitation from Jesus to you to come to his table. Would you sing it? Would you sit down? Let's sing it this morning. Come and dine, the master call. Come and dine.
personal invitation to us this morning, to you, to come into the presence of Jesus and to eat and fellowship. This is your invitation. And I don't know about you, but I get a handy invitation to go to a party and you can tell I usually go. <laughs> Jesus has invited us to his table today from the word, from the bread. And I want you to imagine, as we sing this last verse, it talks about soon the Lamb is going to take his bride to be ever at his side. And he gives us the invitation to come and dine at that time to that great dinner, that great celebration with Jesus. Are you going to be there for that festival? Or will you decline that invitation? Let's come and dine as we sing this last verse. Following from all they they are well 
the underdog. Because they don't lose. They don't win that too much sometimes. And they're the underdog, but they have a following that they come from everywhere. And so we found out as we were walking, and we actually got there about 30 minutes before the game. And you think a spring training game, there wouldn't be that many folks was. There was over 12,000 people that gathered in that game. And uh, I thought, oh my, and I got called here. I hope you know, hold on to his hand. I don't want to get him lost. And he'd been the one ball game before uh, to the, uh, the Diamondbacks, and they have a dome roof. I don't know if anybody ever been there before, but they played football and baseball and college football there. They have a dome roof because of the heat and everything. But the Cubs, for their spring training, have a field that is designed after Wrigley Field up in Chicago. Of course, no roof. Well, the first thing I do is we get our, we find our seats, and definitely my daughter says, my, my, my. Dad, all these people that are look just like you. She said, what do you mean? I said, she said, they're old. <laughs> I said, well, everybody else is working. But anyhow, as we got to see down for the very first inning, uh, my grandson did what he likes to do best. Uh-oh. Let's go to the concession stand. <laughs> so we went to the concession stand, and lo and behold, the Cubs scored six runs in the first inning. I missed every one of them. <laughs> because I went to the concession stand and pulled some goodies. It was time for refreshment in his mind. And that leads me to what I want to share this morning. That in our Christian life, sometimes we ignore the times of refreshment that we need. A refreshment in uh, the presence of God. The presence, the, 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 the time of rest that we can have when we receive the peace and the joy that we need to traverse through this world. So this morning I'm saying, as you've been issued the invitation to come and dine, it is time for refreshments. Priscilla wanted to know if I was bringing food. <laughs> but no, you'll have to wait. But what is an oasis? We all need oasis in life. Where is an oasis during our lifetime? How can we pick one up? How much will it cost me? There's, those are some questions that we sometimes ask as we in our Christian walk and our journeys through life. The Lord, just, just get me through the, the next few minutes and I'll, I'll just thank you every day of my life. Lord, just, uh, just provide some, some peace. Provide me some direction. You see, we all need oasis in life. An oasis has been described in the dictionary as a shelter from surrounding unpleasantness. A shelter from surrounding unpleasantness. I'm reminded of a legend, and I don't know if it's true or not, but Charles Swindoll says it does, so we all believe Charles Swindoll. He tells us a legend, and he asked us to get this picture this morning. A man 
in the desert. He's tired. He's dehydrated. He's weary. His skin is burnt from the sun. And as we watch him, he's now crawling on his hands and knees because he's too feeble to walk. And he's desperate for just a drop of cool, clear water to prolong his life now another hour. As he crawls, somehow, someway, he stumbles along and runs into this old shack, perhaps an old miner's camp from years before. And he looks at this old rundown place to somehow find shade from the sun, from the heat of the desert. And as he examines his surroundings with this swollen, sweaty brow. He sees and glances out of the corner of an eye an old, rusted-out water pump about 15 feet away. Now, he's experienced this before. There were other water pumps that he had found in, on his journey. They were all right up. Was this water pump that he had discovered now any different? And he stumbles over to the old pump, grabs the handle, and begins to pump with all of his strength. Up and down. Up and down. And guess what? I'm sure. He staggers up and then notices on the side of the old pump an old jug. And he picks up the old jug and wipes away the dirt and the dust. And on that jug was a message that someone had written a long time ago that says this, quote, you have to find with all the water in this jug, my friend. P.S. Be sure you fill the jug again before you leave. Now, I'm going to ask you this morning, as you share in this picture, what would you do? To risk your own life with water for the saving of himself for his own jug? What does he do? He pops the cork off of the jug. And sure enough, there is old, dirty, corroded, old water in this jug that even had a quite of a smell to it. But it was full. A whole gallon of water. Enough for, enough for at least the moment. And he's faced with a decision. If he drinks the water in the jug, he could live. Ah, but if he poured all the water in the old rusty pump, maybe, just maybe, it would yield fresh, cool water. 
from deep down in the well. Maybe all the water he wanted. Yes, maybe. And he studies the possibility of both options. What should he do? Pour all the water into the old pump and take a chance on this water? Or drink the hot, bitter, tasteless liquid that was already in the jug and ignore the message? Should he waste all the water in the jug on the hopes of those flimsy instructions that had been written? Who knows how long ago? Every day of our lives, I think I wrote this in your notes, every day of our lives there is needed an oasis. For it seems that we get so stuck in this life many times crossing dry, barren, waterless deserts. We become dry. Some of the words that we utter are dry. They're tasteless. They're smelly. Sometimes there is no excitement in this life. And we're just waiting and biding our time till who knows God calls us home. See, life sometimes becomes so, become so routine. And we struggle to pay our bills. I know I'm not talking to anybody here. We struggle to pay our bills. Taking care of our children, our grandchildren. Going to our jobs. Coming home tired. Going to bed. Getting up. Well, some of us get up. Is there any escape from the routine of life? We see those broken down water pumps that sometimes we hold high hopes that somehow, someway, will provide the spark that will get us through life. And we yearn for a change, a refreshment, a drink. In today's scripture, we are offered a time of refreshment. Jesus promises in our scripture, and we'll read it in just a moment, living water that you will never, never, never thirst again. Abundant life. Not just routine life. There's so many advertised Oasis as we travel this life, the oasis of pleasure, the oasis of success, oasis of vacation, oasis of religion, oasis of possessions. If we could just grab a hold of one of these, and our life would be complete and we would be so refreshed, wouldn't we? But you see, there's only one real oasis. That will sustain us in our deserts. We talked about that this morning. In the Christian calendar, this is a season of what they would call Lent. I know in the Church of God, we kind of lean against the way that some things on the Christian calendar, but this is the time of Lent. And Lent goes back, even uh, uh, taken from the Old Testament. It is based on the 40 days 
perhaps the 40 days that when God chose to destroy the heavens and the earth with rain, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. You see, it was a time of preparation for something new. And when we think about when, we think about, hey, we are preparing for Easter, as I talked about and shared a while ago. We are preparing our hearts for it. I hope that this will be a new and alive uh, experience for you this, this, this Easter. You know, Moses was in the desert for 40 days, 40 years, waiting to find out what God had called him to do. There was the wilderness experience of the Israelites as they wandered through the wilderness after they refused to go into the promised land. God sent them back into the wilderness for 40, 40 years because they needed to be a prepared people to move on to the promised land. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness before he began his ministry. And one more time I would like to tell you about the time of preparation was a time of preparation between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension into heaven. You see, that was a time of preparing, finding his disciples for the Holy Spirit that was to come on the day that we call Pentecost. So, when we look and think about Lent, we say, well, we don't celebrate that. No, well, let's just think about it as a time of preparing our hearts for Easter this year. Because you see, Easter is the most, most important, important time of the Christian's life. If there was no cross, there'd be no salvation. If there was no resurrection, there'd be no hope for us. And we need to prepare for that. I hope you prepare your hearts and come and dine as we prepare in the next few weeks, talking and preparing ourselves for Easter. Our story today finds Jesus at a well in Samaria. He finds himself tired and weary, asking for water from a Samaritan woman. Now, how unusual was this? Back in those days, the Jews didn't talk to the Samaritans, and the Samaritans didn't talk to the Jews. They hated each other. There's a historical thing that led that we will not go into today. But also, here was a Samaritan woman, a woman despised by the Jewish people, and a woman that was talked to by Jesus. This was very unusual. Now, how did Jesus get to Samaria? Usually, the, the, the Jewish people did not go into Samaria. Because it was such a despised land. It was a place with mixed marriages. It was a place that, that uh, was looked down upon uh, by the Jewish people because they did not hold uh, intently to the laws of Moses. And so they didn't like, the Jewish people didn't like the Samaritan But once Jesus did, Jesus is on his way to Capernaum and he takes a detour through Samaria. I want you to do some facts, and when I say a detour to Samaria, the, 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 the mileage from Jerusalem where Jesus was at to go to Capernaum was around 85 miles in total. Think of this. From Jerusalem to Samaria was 42 miles. 
And from Samaria to Capernaum, it was 118 miles. You add that up. And it's about 170 miles that Jesus was intent upon going as he went through Samaria to get to Capernaum when it could have been only 85 miles. So there was a reason why Jesus went to Samaria. It was to meet the Samaritan woman. Let me read the scripture. John chapter 4. Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Joseph's well was there. So Joseph, being weary from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you had nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Fifteenth verse says, The woman then said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. What a great story. A great story of how Jesus came to give us living water. I want to talk about this gift of water. Not so much on that story, but I want to talk about this gift of water that Jesus was given. Jesus offers the gift of water to this Samaritan woman in verse 10. You know, all of us need water, don't we? We've been out in Arizona with no humidity, and we were constantly having carrying with us a big water jug. Because every time you turn around, you were thirsty. And Jesus offers us the gift of water. In this world and in our society and in our culture, which you and I are living, we need times of refreshment because we become very thirsty. We may become very hungry, but we become very thirsty. You know, that was one of the things the children of Israel, as they were going across the wilderness, complained about. Oh, we're so thirsty. We're hungry. You know how Jesus provided that, don't you? Psalms chapter 63, verse 1 says, My soul, the 
David writes, My soul thirsts for you, God. In a dry and weary land where there is no water, David was looking not at that which to drink, but that which soothe his spiritual thirst. I want you to know all of us have spiritual thirst this morning, whoever we are. We can be young in the faith, we can be old in the faith. There's a time in our life we need to come sometimes, take a step back, and get us a drink of that fresh living water. Amen? Y'all ever been there? Y'all ever been those times where you're down and out, and things aren't going the way that you want in life? Things life has become disappointment, and you say, man, Lord, if I could just have a breath of your living water. Oh, that would be so cool. I'd love to have it right now. That would be so cool. But Jesus offers us the gift. He calls it a gift to the woman. She said, he said, if you know the gift of God. You know, there's a scripture that says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift of his living water, is eternal life. I'm so glad, glad that Jesus offers all of us this morning the gift of water. All of us, it's a necessity in life. Just as it is physically, it is significantly important in our spiritual life. If you're not taking any spiritual water in, you're going to die of thirst. The second thing about the gift of water is this. That the gift of, of, of God's water cannot be earned. Cannot be earned. This poor Samaritan woman, no matter what she did, the water that she asked from Jesus, it cannot be earned. In fact, she even said, well, Jesus, how are you going to, how can you come to the well and you don't even have anything to draw from? How are you going to do this? And Jesus has said that this gift is not something that is earned or done with our hands, but the gift of, of water, the gift of the spirit of, 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 of living water is that which is given to us. General living water comes to us in the form of grace and mercy. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 verse in chapter 12 also, he said to his disciples, go and learn what this means. Now, I don't know whether he meant for this, that was more important, or whether the puzzle will all come together as he was teaching on the kingdom. He said, disciples, go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You see, what God has to give us cannot be earned. We can do all the good things in life. I was at a, at a meeting the other night where different ones were, were talking about all they had given to a particular ministry. I want you to know that that's not what, uh, what, what, what God gives living water on. He gives living water when we receive grace and when we receive mercy. Jesus said, I desire compassion. I desire grace. I desire mercy. It's not something that you can be given, but it's something that is offered to you full and free this morning. And the gift of water, number three, is this. The gift of water that is that nobody is excluded. Nobody is excluded. Hey, just as I can have some living water today, you can have living water too. Aren't you glad? Amen. 
offered to each and every one of us. In our times of dryness, living water is available, even to this Samaritan woman, this adulterous Samaritan woman. This woman that had had five husbands. Women, can you not imagine that? Five husbands? Some of you better not say, hey, can they have done that? Don't believe it. Five husbands. And Jesus said, and the one you're living with is not even your husband. You see, this woman was looking in all the wrong places, wasn't she? For content and satisfaction. I want you to know that no one is excluded from the water that Jesus has to offer this morning. So very quickly this morning, five minutes, five. This water, number one, is a gift of God. Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, you would ask for it. You'd be asking me for water instead of me asking you for water. The gift of God is that which satisfies. And it satisfies when we recognize our thirst. You know, there, are, there have been times when I, don't, I, I have not always been a water drinker. My wife has been a water drinker. You tell about the many, the many number of rest stops that, that the, the government has put along the highway just for her. I, she loves water. I don't. And I lots of times I have I filled up with my Coca-Cola and my Dr. Pepper and, 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 and things such such as that. And, and, and you know those those, those carbonated drinks today don't satisfy. In the long term, they don't satisfy. But it's water when we fill ourselves up with water. It, water satisfies us. There's something about it meets a need in our body. Well, the living water meets a spiritual need in our body also. And the living water is Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift of God. Number two, it is living water. Excuse me. Living water for the soul. The water that God offers to us this morning is alive. It's not some old dead something that I confess to you I, I know about every episode of any here. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and, and I know every episode of Gunsmoke I'm real good at that I, I like the westerns Tim the True Man Taylor I love him I, 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 I watch this thing over and over and over and Lynn asked me one day she said what do you see people already seen that a hundred times and I said I don't know if I want to see it one more time. <laughs> I want to see if I change anything from 25 years ago. But I, want, I say that to this. There is things that are dead in life and it's going to always be the same. But when you have a drink of the living water, things will never be the same. Because the living water of God provides peace and it provides that exuberance of that, that living water that bubbles up within our soul. And we sing, spring up, oh well, spring up in my soul. Her thirst was beyond her body's need for water. She needed more than five husbands. Her life so far had been dead. Now Jesus was giving her that 
which is alive. The living water is alive this morning. And you can leave here this morning and you can either say, that was a dead sermon this morning or a live sermon. I better not hear the laughter. Because Jesus' word is alive. And Jesus here, his spirit is alive. And his spirit is present in this place for those that will drink of the living water. Number three, you will never thirst again. Jesus told the lady. You see, in the living water there is forgiveness. There is healing. There is acceptance. Believe it or not, there was a time in my life that I felt like nobody liked me. You been there? Nobody liked me. Nobody liked me. Guess I'm the only worm. You ever heard that one? That was times in my life. Nobody likes me. Jesus had to work on me and he gave me a little bit of living water a little bit of time. And now I may be mistaken too. I think everybody knows me. No. You see, in the living water, there's acceptance by God, our Creator Himself. The one who made you, and the one who made me, there's acceptance just like we are. With the old songs, it's just as I am, and I want to leave. But that thou blood was shed for me. Just as I am, we come to him for that living water. And you will never thirst again, Jesus said. Number four, this water becomes a spring. A spring is something that is continuous. A spring is not a once-in-a-lifetime thing. A spring is something you get on the bed and it keeps on jumping. I'm very notorious, and I share the openly. I, um, I've always been a little, little heavy and a little bulky, and I have a reputation in my family. I have broke three of my brother's beds. <laughs> don't, don't invite me to come over to lay on your bed, because they might break. You see, the, the springs were broken in the first place, but I get the blame for it, of course. Listen, that man, there goes another one. Dan, you got Tim's. You got Phil's. I remember that. Yeah, I, I, I did. I think that my thought wants you to know that the living water gives us spring and life. It gives us exuberance. It gives us some excitement, something to look forward to. My God's real. And every day's new within Number five, this well, this water gives eternal life. Verse 14. Isn't this what we all want? Is eternal life? We want to live. How many of you want to die? While I was in Arizona this week, I visited my college roommate. And he goes back. We went back a long time ago. We were good friends. We worked together. We groomed together. We did a lot of things together. In the last year, he was discovering he had brain cancer. And we were actually not given until till Christmas. And uh, he's out to live that just a little bit, but I went to visit him. And he met me at the door, and he said, Dan, he said, he said, I just want to go home. Just want to go home? Now, he wasn't talking about a physical home. He was talking about his home with Jesus. I probably never seen him again on this side of heaven. But he told me as he left, Dan, he said, I'll be the first one in heaven to greet you when you come. He said, I'll see you then. I'll see you again. 
And you see, it's because of that living water that gives us an eternal hope. That no matter what this world throws at us and shakes on us, we have hope in Jesus Christ because of the living water he gives. Well, Isaiah chapter 55 says this. Hey! I put that in there because I thought that's how it spoke to me. Hey! Everyone who thirsts, come to the water. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And Jesus calls each of us to that hope. Let me finish the legend. Reluctantly, the old man poured all the water from the jug into the pump. And when he did that, he grabbed the handle and he begins to pump, and the pump goes
She longed for something that would make a difference. And how you probably would convert And not only, Lord, did she receive it, but then she went and told everybody else about it. And Father, as we replace the living water that we drank on, let us others have some of this oasis that we've enjoyed. Help somebody get us through life. Some way of getting us through the storms. Some way of getting us through the trials, the temptations. Lord, pour your living water on us this day. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with us?